0: Hello, and welcome to Just Keep Writing.
1: A podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. I'm Marshall. I'm Nick.
0: And dude, we are doing something that we've remote, we've remotely recorded before. Yes. But, but we have never had a live audience before. It's
1: five th- years in the making that yeah. we have planned for this, and so, here we
0: are. So what I want to do is just to prove to the audience that they're real and they exist, if everybody could just cheer really loudly, really quick. <laughs>
1: All right. Well, we got to explain and give some background here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Why do we have a live audience right now? Where are we? What are we doing? And uh,
0: why did they let us do this? I don't know, man. We're a few days from graduation. We are in beautiful Gunnison, Colorado. Uh, we are with our cohort. We are with our genre fiction people. And for our assignment, one of our assignments was to do a pop craft talk. And since you and I do this very, very often, we thought, why not collaborate? And we'll do it together and we'll make it a podcast. So... If you don't know our podcast, it's called Just Keep Writing. Um, We'll do some plugs at the end. Um, But welcome, everybody, and thank you for being here.
1: Yay. So we're talking about first lines today. Everyone knows first lines are some of the hardest things to write, and it's also the first thing you do write when you start a new novel and draft. But how often do we talk about rewriting your first line until it's really, really good or great? And what do you need to look for in a first line? Well, we wanted to talk about today, and we have some examples. Now in the email I sent out earlier, not only do you have the slideshow with us, but there is a sheet that you can print off at home that you can follow along, dissect these first lines with us, and then take it home and do some exercises on your own with a couple other first lines that we've provided. So, yeah, what are we looking for in a first line, Marshall?
0: Well, it's gotta do a lot of work. Uh, if you've been to a bookstore, which most of us have been to bookstores, you open a book and you probably might read the back, but eventually you will read that first line. Um, and that first line has to do something. Um, so one thing to consider is what you're going to end up conveying is voice and tone, world building, character, stakes, and the big one that you and I talk about a lot is the promise of your
1: novel. Now, I have a question for you already. Okay, buddy. Do I have to have all these elements in my first line? That seems like a lot to do. In a no, first line. no, no, no. It's a lot. It's, and look, it doesn't have to do all of these things, but...
0: To to engage the reader and to get them oriented in your world, it depends on what you're writing. You may need some of them.
1: Some of them. Not all of them. No. But we have to consider it, right? Right. And it really depends, like, I would say, what kind of promise are you trying to go for? What are you trying to do with your first line? I think that has a lot to do with it, too. Um, but should we just dive into the first one here? Um,
0: Yeah, let's see if we forgot anything else. Um, Yeah, so Nick already talked about we're going to break down some first lines. Um, We took a couple classics. Um, We've actually, at the back end of it, we are going to talk about our first lines for our thesis novels. Um, And one of the things that I brought up earlier, I did a talk before this, about first lines is we took literally the first sentence. Sometimes you need, you get some more of this in the first few sentences. But just... In order to start a book, start a short story, you have to write the first line. Now, most we all know that a lot of re- revision is rewriting, right? So that at most of the authors we have talked to, and we ask about their first lines, we're like, oh my God, this first line is awesome.
1: Like they openly laugh and be like, that wasn't the first line. Yeah, That was the first line after eight edits and a week before it was accepted. So right, there's a lot that goes into it. So
0: we're studying, we have drafts of ours, but we're going to study some uh, some other ones here. So let's start with, do you want to take the first one?
1: Yeah, I'll take the first one. So we do have a, a collection here. So this is from the short fiction um, side of things through Uncanny Magazine. The name of the short story is My Country is a Ghost. It's um, amazing, by the way. Yes. I'm going to not pronounce his last name correctly, but it is by Eugenia Triantafilu, I think. I don't know. I'll fix Sorry it for rest. that. We'll fix that <laughs> um, and post it. But this is probably one of my favorite short stories there is. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and read the first line to you guys out loud. When Naomi N- Neo- tried to smuggle her mother's ghost into the new country, she found herself being passed from one security officer to another, detailing her mother's place and date of death over and over again. Right? Right. Proud reaction. We got some mm's.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, and so there's, there's a ton going on here, and it's literally, again, it's one sentence. So I'm looking at, I don't know what jumps out at you first.
1: Oh, man. Um, obviously, smuggling, uh, the line, smuggling her mother's ghost. What? Yeah. You can smuggle ghosts? Apparently. But that's a world building thing.
0: That is also setting a promise that we're going to find out something that has to do with why our ghosts have to be smuggled.
1: Well, not only that, character motivation. Yeah. Right?
0: So we get pretty much, we get a little world building too. This one actually yeah. hits kind of a lot. And the stakes are high because if you're smuggling somebody, smuggling something, the stakes are pretty high. Yeah.
1: Well, no, without it out. What jumped out to you for this one?
0: No, that's what I'm saying. Like just, oh, this, the, just the, the sheer act of smuggling a ghost. Like that, I can't stop coming back to that. And if you haven't read the story, the story is... Absolutely brilliant. Well, and
1: even in the the later on sentences... Sorry, mosquitoes. um, The later on sentence, right, at the end of it here, um, she's being passed from one security officer to another, reliving her mother's trauma. Like, that right there for character? Yeah. Ooh, I'm already feeling for this character. I'm like, bought it. I'm like, damn, what the... Why are they doing that for? Right. So it it adds a lot to it. Yeah.
0: Um, So we're going to jump to one that I think... Most people, it, how many people have read Six of Crows or Lee Bardugo? Okay. Um, this Gumbel. is a favorite of our group. We actually, on some of our shows, we actually did a book um, We did a book club, a, a two book club episode on this. series on this one. Yeah. Um, it's wonderful. It's, it's awesome. Um, but it's by Lee Bardugo. And is it Juiced? Yeah. Okay. Sure. So, so, Juice had two problems the moon and his mustache.
1: I have so many <laughs> thoughts.
0: But also we have questions too. And I think that's what your first line should do. If you're not asking questions after reading that first line, you're you're not invested. Because you want the reader asking questions. You want them wondering about your world and this character. What's his beef with the moon and what's up with his mustache, right?
1: Well, like right away when... I mean, maybe this sounds cliche a little bit. Maybe. He has trouble with his mustache. So I'm like, all right, are we like 14 trying to grow a mustache right now? And right. Trying to get some pride and that false sense of manlyhood or something? Or, and the moon has me asking more questions than anything. Yeah. Is he a werewolf? Well, <laughs> I'm, I'll just say it.
0: I know by reading it, he's not a werewolf. But. I know, but still. <laughs> but it, it, it does present some world building stuff you get. Um, if the moon is an issue, if he has an issue with the moon, then there has to be something in this world that's to do with um, something that's not of this world.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think a shorter first line like this, it just has me, it has me asking so many more questions that I want to read more. But also want to know the character. And that's yeah. the other thing. You want to know Which, what's up with this guy. Spoiler alert. That was one of my favorite characters.
0: I know. Amazing, right? Um, so if you haven't read Six of Crows, Leigh Bardugo, um, YA novel, it's awesome. Okay. You got this one.
1: Yeah, so this is actually one of my favorites. It's a middle-grade novel. Uh, It's The Thieves of Weirdwood by Christian McKay Heidecker. Uh, Very, very, oh, I mean, it's creepy enough to be an adult book. Um, Little porcelain dolls running around and stealing kids, so it's a really good one. Um, The first line here, one light rainy evening in April, eight-year-old Marie Wallace got the most pleasant surprise of her life right before she got the worst one. I mean, tone and voice on this one. I'm just like, okay, why are we dealing with an eight-year-old getting the worst surprise ever?
0: I don't know. Yeah, no, it's I haven't read this one, so I'm going on you with this one.
1: Yeah, well, that's right. I forgot you haven't. I haven't. Um, I I mean, again, spoiler alert here. Uh, This line is definitely foreshadowing to the worst surprise because what she gets is um, a porcelain doll um, on that one. Excuse me. And... Right after that, she sees a porcelain doll running through a back alley, and it's very descriptive of the clicking of the porcelain on cobblestones. Um, and then she turns into one herself. Um, and the police are befuddled by this one. But for me, like this first line, this is total tone. Like, I know this is going to be a creepy story because you don't, you don't usually do
0: bad things to kids in books. But it also goes back to something that I was actually saying earlier today too, is sometimes to help orient the reader and ground the reader in your character, you have to relate, give them something relatable. So most of us can recall getting a gift yeah. when we're younger. Right. But it's like, Oh, what happens when you get a badass gift? And then you're like, Oh no. And then Got the worst is, thing ever, but is the gift, is it another gift? Is it something horrible? Is there a tragedy? That kind well, of thing.
1: And one of the questions I had when I first read this is like, what could be the worst thing for an eight year old? Right. And at the time, I didn't have kids when I read it, and I couldn't imagine that. So, no. again, kept me going, kept me reading.
0: Is it a, is it a coincidence that we have these two next to each other?
1: Yeah, you know, kind of. <laughs> um, welcome to the next one. <laughs> so, we're going to look at Stephen
0: King's first line from It. Um, I, why did we do this? You wanted it. Okay, all right. Whatever. I
1: got the creepy picture, though.
0: Yeah, you, you didn't have to do that picture. Okay, so It by Stephen King. The Terror which would not end for another 28 years, if it ever did end, began, so far as I know, or can tell, with a boat made from a sheet of newspaper floating down a gutter swollen with rain. Anybody read it or anything? Ready? <laughs> okay,
1: so? What could be so bad that it will never end, even in 28 years, <laughs> from a paper boat going down a flooded gutter? I don't know. but there's, I got questions.
0: Yeah. But also, there's, it paints the picture of the world as well. Swollen with rain, you know, it's dark. It's, there's a mood here as well, right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, and the stakes are high because we have obviously something that goes on for a long time, something that's been a problem. Um, I don't think we get much character from this. Um, but the promise is that it's going to be creepy and a little
1: rough. Well, I mean, it, first two sentences, the terror. Yeah, I think that's a really good promise that comes Mm -hmm. with this one to really just highlight, I mean,
0: who Stephen King
1: is in his writing.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, So before we get to the last few, um, do we want to add anything on why we're doing this or why we need to be doing this and why this is a good exercise or do you want to get to that at the end? Yeah, let's do that at the end. Okay, cool. All right. So I'm going to pick, I had to throw this pick in here before we got to ours. Um, I've taught this novel to my seniors for seven or eight years. Um, I always talked about propaganda and, um, uh, advertising and stuff like that with 1984 by George Orwell. Um, it's one of my favorite novels. It's a classic. I had to throw one classic in here. Um, and the first line, I think it works a little bit better if you include the second line as well. But I'm just going to include the first line just to see what you think. So it says, it was a bright, cold day in April, and the clocks were striking 13.
1: Okay. Um, <laughs> 13. Why would a clock strike on 13 unless it's a military clock?
0: Unless it's a military clock.
1: And now I'm like, "What? who does that? Who says that? Who says that, indeed. Um, so...
0: I, I should have had the second line pulled up, but I don't. Um, but it goes on to paint this very, you get the promise from the first line that something's not quite right. It seems nice out, but it's just, it's cold, it's bright, but it's also, there's something going on with the time. Um, and I think, if if you've read the book, the military time is because it's a authoritarian regime that's, Basically, I mean, essentially the, the, the premise of the book is if, if um, the Nazis have won World War II is essentially what this is. So it, it's, it's, it's heavy. It's a dark read. Um, it's still one of my favorites, though. Um, but I would say voice and tone in this, and this continues throughout the book. Um, it's brilliant writing. Um, really awesome dystopia.
1: Well, now it comes to the nerve-wracking part. Are you feeling brave? Oh, I'm feeling so brave after last <laughs> night. Um, I've already read my book, my thesis, so <laughs> I can read anything at this point. But let's put a little twist on this that I didn't talk to you about before. Oh, no boy. Oh, yeah. What? Why don't we get audience reaction to our first lines? Because clearly we know what we were trying to do. Oh, right. But get an audience member to come up and be like, yeah, your line sucks. So if you have any opinions on
0: our lines sucking or not sucking, um, <laughs> please uh, feel free. We'll open it up here in a second.
1: So this is uh, my current first line uh i've spent about an hour on this one and i'm still not convinced it's the best version of it just read it um but here we go wow okay wow <laughs> um so the trunk of the witchwood creaked as a rock cooker jumped from tree to tree silently chasing its prey but the only thing that theo could hear was the scratches from his own quill against parchment it's a good first line. Well, that's man. a good reaction. Thank you. It is a
0: good first line, man.
1: Yeah. That was a long time coming. But hey. I'm gonna turn it to the crowd. Like, who has an opinion, a thought, a tingle? Oh, thank you.
0: And if you don't wanna come up, I can always cut this out. It's just something we thought come
1: about. Come on up, Dom.
0: Dom
2: represent. Sweet, thanks for having me. Uh, <laughs>
1: what, uh, real quick, what's your name? What year are you in?
2: Yeah, uh, my name is Dominic Roscom. I'm a second year, just starting my thesis process. So we'll be in this same position in about 365, <laughs> um, which is super stressful, but it's going to be great. Um, I think you do a lot of stuff with this first line that's really good. I think what you do best is like you highlight your world and you highlight your character in two in one sentence. Um, the first big thing is you talk about cougars tree to tree you really give us this like forest atmosphere and highlight where we're going to be taking place throughout this whole story Um, but with your character you show that even though this is a quote-unquote wild location they see themselves as someone that is quieter they care more about their writing than they care about Um, everything that's going on in the cougar that's going from tree to tree, they care more about the quill against the parchment than they do about the situation that they're in. And I think it's a really cool dichotomy that you set up immediately that this character is probably, and I haven't read the thesis, um, going to be dealing with the difference between who they want to see themselves as and the situation they find themselves in.
1: Well, I nailed my promise right there, so thank you for that. Uh, Because that is what my book is about, is the difficulty of being who you sh- people want you to be and what you you want to be. So maybe I should have gone first. I know. I mean, I'm sorry. You wrote a good first line, man. <laughs> I know. I, hey, it was all right. Um, Anybody else yeah, have a thought? But no, I really do like your first line a lot.
0: All right. Well, here we go. Um, you will. He- you won't hear this line tonight when I do my thesis reading because I start a little bit later. Um, but this is the first line currently. At first. The objects hitting the atmosphere and streaking through the Earth's chemical layer looked like meteors. Thank you for clapping.
1: See, I told you it was good. <laughs> well, they clapped,
0: and I mean, that it's good. Um, anybody want to take a stab at this one? Nobody feels Tally? Right? Tally, yay.
3: Oh. Hi, Tally Hamill uh third year, of genre fiction. Woo! And Marshall, I was with you uh, when I when you were writing the very first draft of this story. We were working workshopping it last year, yeah. And that was not your original first line. It wasn't. Um, what I like with what you did here is that you are upping the stakes before telling us what were those things are. No spoilers. They are things. Um, but <laughs> you're you're already creating our curiosity. for something weird about the earth. It has a chemical air and something is coming through it that is not what it seems to be. And it's probably even more dangerous than meteors. Um, but what I also like what you're doing here is that there's something in this line which encapsulates a theme in your novel about how things are not what they seem they are like and that... Our relationship with those things that are coming from space and what they can tell us about relationship between people and um, political tensions and um, the different uh, compromises and the That's different right. communications people have to do to work together. Uh, it's all encapsulated in this like bright first line that builds really curiosity. Um, thanks, tally.
0: <laughs> Appreciate it, tally. Thank you for being on the show. And thanks for the kind words. It wasn't really supposed to be a back session, but it turned out to be that way. Well,
1: hard, that's but. what we do here. We just throw a curve and twist in and either get embarrassed or congratulated. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, it works.
0: All right. Um, so we're nearing the end here. And I think what I think is really important about what we we're discussing is when you get to your revision process and when you decide that it's um, time to tinker with that first line, um, think about the things that we've outlined here. It doesn't, again, it doesn't have to have all of these things, but if you can c- encapsulate, like, like Tally said, a few of them, you will grab the reader and make them ask those questions and make them want to keep reading your, your, your story. So we've got, again, we've got voice and tone, world building, Character stakes uh, and promises, and again, if you read a first line, if you're reading your first line and you're not asking questions of your own book, even though you've read, written it, maybe you need to tinker with that first line a little bit more. Um, so, you want to talk about the handout? Go
1: yeah, so the handouts the front page, first page, will have the lines we just discussed. Take a look at it, see what you notice different than what we noticed. But on the backside, you're going to see another six more there. Um, and it's a free exercise, right? Go in sometime when you have some some chances and take a look at those first lines and see what you can pull out of it. Now, one of the first lines we didn't include are dialogue first lines um, because those do something completely different than what we wanted to talk about with first lines today. But you can start a chapter out or a book out with dialogue. So if you know a few of those, which I yep, didn't put in, we right? We didn't put any in there, no. They're really good. Um, We just didn't discuss those today, so that is an option as well. I'm going to do the other thing if you're done. Do the other thing.
0: Okay. I can't thank everybody enough for being here. This is awesome. This is our first live deal. I used to do a podcast back in the day where we streamed on Twitch, So this, and we've done events in San Diego, so it's just always super fun. It changes the dynamic, and it's just awesome to have you all here, so thank you for listening. If you want to hear our voices again, this episode will probably be out next week. Um... And we plan on maybe doing one talking to some of you as well to add on to this episode. But that said, if you like what you've heard or if you just want to check us out, it's justkeepwriting.org. We have a Patreon if you want to support us, patreon.com slash the the usual, just keep writing. And um, we also have a Discord. And this is the one thing I wanted to talk about more than anything. Um, We've talked about writing communities. We've talked about staying connected. We've talked about all these things in our groups. Um, Our Discord is awesome we have been to a bunch of different conferences. We've accumulated people, we've accumulated listeners from various different places and they all just kind of converge on this one place. Um, we have rooms where people can do um, uh, have requests to be, have beta readers. Um, what else? Yeah, am I so
1: we've got beta readers. There's certain books that we'll spend four or five episodes discussing. We have a specific channel, ask questions there. We have feedback channels. Mm-hmm. We have sprints. Um, we organize sprints once in a while. Um, on that one and uh, upcoming conferences and conventions and then also open submissions like putting out there who's open on submission right now if something comes up uh just try to pump that out oh and and also the uh bragging section like
0: if you get something brag about yourself or your friends if you publish something or you got something out on submission you're stoked about it
1: which if your writing friends are like mine they (laughs) don't like to brag about themselves so like i gotta go brag about this guy and Yeah, we'll do it for each other if we need to. LP and Brent. (laughs) All right, Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, our last five minutes was for questions, and if there isn't any,
0: thank you, everybody, so much for listening, and just keep writing. And this has been Just Keep Writing, a podcast for writers, by writers, to keep you writing. You can find us at justkeepwriting.org. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Feel free to reach out to any of us on our social medias, and please jump in our Just Keep Writing Discord channel. Links to all of that is in the show notes. Lastly, please support our show by going to patreon.com slash justkeepwriting. We offer daily writing prompts, early access to podcast episodes, and much more. Thanks for listening, and just keep writing.